0: And I'm Darcy. Did you know that pornography doesn't have to destroy you or your marriage? We're the parents of eight active members of the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints, and we love to help people just like you. We're here to share hope and healing as we take you through our journey and the journeys of our amazing clients to greater joy and love. Come grow with us to a happier, more meaningful life. Welcome Welcome to to the the Self Mastery -Mastery Podcast. Podcast. Hey everybody and welcome to another beautiful Mastery Monday here on the Self Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Spafford. Hey, uh, you know, I love you guys. <laughs> I probably say that and you're like, what? Uh, this guy is weird. <laughs> but I do. I love I love the people who listen to this podcast, partly because I, I don't imagine you're listening to this podcast because you don't have anything else to do. You are probably listening to this podcast because your life is being affected by pornography in some way, and the the truth is is that you need some love, and I love you guys, and I hope that uh, I hope that you guys feel that love. I hope that I convey that love. Um, I hope that when you guys come to Saint George, that you will reach out to me and be like, "Hey, man, let's go to lunch." <laughs> I had lunch with somebody that I've been working with recently, and man, it was such a good. Good conversation, good time to hang out with somebody, and I I, um, I just loved it. So love you guys. All right, tonight I want to talk about what is pornography addiction. You know, when I was growing up as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and and when I was growing up and as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I should say, anyone who views pornography is essentially labeled as a pornography addict. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. While, you know, while you guys have heard me talk about my experience with the Addiction Recovery Program or ARP that I attended in both Wisconsin and California, um, you know, I have talked about why I don't believe in the idea that most people are pornography addicts. You know, in episode 54, I covered in depth how believing you're an addict is basically a self-fulfilling prophecy and that it creates more harm than good, but I want to I want to take a moment and talk about what I believe we mean when we say that we are addicted to porn and how changing the narrative around this pervasive idea will do more good for those who engage in viewing pornography than continuing with the current narrative that they are porn addicts. As members of the church, we often talk about pornography in absolute terms either you're addicted or you're sober, or you're addicted and you're currently sober, right? And based on the way that I have observed others discuss this issue, being a pornography addict means, so basically I think that the definition means that you experience arousal while viewing or using graphic media. And this media depicts the bodies of men or women in any state of undress, clothed or not clothed, wearing bathing suits or not wearing bathing suits, Underwear or not wearing underwear, all the way on up to and including the most graphic sexual imagery. So that, I think, is what the definition that we kind of bring to uh, pornography is, you know, as, a me- as members of the church. You know, and again, this is just my observation, so I could be wrong or I could be misperceiving the intent of others as they speak about pornography. But I think after having spoken about pornography as openly as I have for so many years now— I've gathered a little bit of a sense of what is going on with this issue. And I think that this definition, the definition, and I'm going to go back to it here real quick. The definition that I think we use of, you know, what does it mean to be a pornography addict means that you are experiencing arousal while using graphic media, regardless of the state of dress of the individuals or how they are engaging with each other or for what reason that you uh, that you're viewing this and i think this pro- this definition is pretty problematic uh, for a few reasons but i'm going to just dial in on a couple here first this definition is so broad <laughs> like it's impossible right it encompasses so much that it would be hard for anyone who wanted to purchase a nice bathing suit for their spouse not to identify as a pornography addict because they found the swimsuit models attractive this definition also pathologizes or turns you know, turns it into a, 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 a disease. You know, It pathologizes into addiction the sexual arousal of a teenager or even a grown person for that matter who's merely noticing the beauty of another person depicted in media, whether that's a man or a woman, uh, it doesn't matter, right? And when we pathologize just seeing somebody... Then it makes us bad simply for seeing something that we might find attractive on some level for some reason, which again makes it an impossible standard. The problem with and, and I'm not saying that this is like the the definition that's given out by the church or or uh, you know how bishops always see this, but I think that this is kind of a pervasive idea um, within our culture and as members of the church. The problem with this is that, you know, as humans, we all experience the reality of noticing beauty of another person at some point. I think that most people have experienced a sense that they might want to have an intimate relationship with someone because they've noticed that beauty. That's why I I think it's partly why we get married, right? We're like, oh, she's beautiful or, oh, that that man's very attractive. I might want to date that person. Unfortunately, when we define sexual addiction or pornography addiction in this way, it loads so much meaning onto our shoulders that it becomes nearly impossible to carry in a healthy way this load or in any really meaningful way either. So please don't misunderstand me. I want you know I want to be clear. I'm not advocating for us to swing all the way to the other side and stop using judgment to determine what appropriate media we want to view in our lives. I'm not saying, well... You know, just because there's media, uh, we shouldn't you know, feel guilty if we're using it in ways that don't meet our moral values. But if we can redefine pornography addiction in some small way to lighten the burden that we are, we're placing on people who are engaging with pornography, I believe that would be the most valuable thing we could do to decrease pornography viewing in the lives of those who struggle. So when we speak about pornography addiction, I think we're actually talking about something called experiential avoidance. I use the term buffering as well, but experiential avoidance is the term that I think best describes what's what's really happening here. I've worked with thousands of men and women individually and in my membership and in, in each of those settings, we, go, we deep dive into this stuff. Like here on the podcast, you learn a lot of things, but in the membership and in individual coaching, we deep dive into this stuff and we get really, really clear on how it's actually working for you. Each of the people that I've worked with have realized one thing when they drop the idea that they were addicted to pornography. And what they realize is that they were avoiding something and pornography was the thing that they were using to help them avoid it. So I like to ask a simple question like, what, are you, what were you feeling in the five to 10 minutes before you chose to view pornography? And that sort of question provides the insight that I needed and that my clients need to dial in on their mental state and understand why they choose pornography. And the answers are as unique to each individual and their specific situation as can be, but I think there's a pretty clear pattern that emerges over time. For me, my particular pattern was that I did not like feeling alone or lonely. So like when I was on a business trip and I felt alone, not lonely, but alone, that's when I would turn to pornography. Boredom is another one that's really regular for most people or for a lot of people that choose pornography, boredom is one of them. As a result, when we have that feeling, you know, my brain for loneliness would lead me down the path that would help me avoid the discomfort of loneliness. Now think about your own pattern. Does it happen in the late hours of the evening as you try to avoid feeling drowsy or tired? Lots of people that I work with, tired is a very regular occurrence for them. Do you choose pornography rather than deal with the discomfort of studying? Lots of the college kids that I work with, man, this is a big one. Hey, you know, it's study time. I've set aside some time and then my brain's like, oh man, I I can't get it all done. Let's go look at porn. And instead of diving into that discomfort of, okay, well, you know, I might not be able to get it done, but I'm going to do my best. Instead, they turn to pornography. Uh, Another one is, is your brain offering you arousal to help ease the discomfort of feeling overweight? Any of these could be the the reason. Your reason might be different, but just kind of dig into that and start to see what's going on for you. When pornography is contrary to our moral values and we still choose it, the most likely reason is that we are using it to avoid an unpleasant, difficult, or anxious feeling. There is some really great research to back this idea up, but you know this new way of looking at pornography addiction probably resonates with you in a way that's more meaningful than any article that I could point to in the Journal of Science. I know it's easier to say that someone is addicted to pornography, right? Hey, my, my husband's a porn addict, right? That's easy. I know it's so much easier to say that than it is to say My husband's engaging in an experiential avoidance because when he feels stressed, he hasn't learned how to properly or effectively engage with his emotions. (laughs) You know, that's a lot to say, and most people wouldn't have any idea what you mean when you say it, but that's, I think, what's actually happening for most people. This narrative change is, I think, the kind of change that helps people change the narrative in their own minds. If the culture and the people around you believe something, you are more likely to believe that thing, regardless of its objective truthfulness. So let's just take a moment and dissect that. If people around me believe that pornography is everything from the JCPenney catalog to videos of people actually engaging in sex acts, then I'm more likely to believe that same thing. If people around me believe that viewing those materials means a person is addicted to them, regardless of how often they are viewed or for what purpose, then I'm also more likely to believe that same thing. If people around me believe that being an addict means that I'm broken, irredeemable, or unworthy, and that I will always have this addiction, no matter how long ago it was that I last chose to engage with it, then I'm also more likely to believe that same thing. And here's the thing. If I believe that I'm always going to be an addict and that the rest of my life is going to be one of constant vigilant against an ever-present reality of beautiful people in print, social media, television, and movies, then what do you guys think that everyone also believes about my chances to actually eliminate pornography addiction from my life? I, I personally, I would think that most people would see that as hopeless. I think I certainly would. This, my friends, is why I push back so much when people think that a habit of viewing pornography in order to avoid feeling discomfort, anxiety, or loneliness is a pornography addiction. Because pornography addiction, in the current way that we understand it, the way that we seem to talk about it, is hopeless. It feels hopeless. It is insurmountable because bodies are not going to get more clothing. They're only going to get less. Magazines are not going to get less provocative. They are going to push for more. Social media is not going to change its algorithms to send us things that aren't interesting. They are going to continue to send things that we will click on, that we watch more of, and that we seek out. So if you believe that you're addicted to pornography, my question to you is, what value, what good, what hope is that bringing into your life? Because addiction is outside of our control. There is little to nothing that we can do to prevail against disease-like addiction in the, in the current form that we see it as. But when I learned that I buffer or avoid the experience of feeling my feelings because I've never learned how to properly engage with them, then I have a direction. I have a place to go. I have a hope of learning a skill that other people know. And, a, and, and it's a skill that I can practice. I don't have to be endlessly vigilant. I just have to learn to get a new habit of how to deal with my discomfort before the porn urge even shows up. That's the funny thing. It's not as though I'm going to teach you how to just like, and, and it's not as though in the work that I do that I teach people only how to deal with their pornography. I'm teaching them five steps ahead of that. And that may not be as simple as saying, my wife's addicted to porn, or my husband's a porn addict, but it's actually more true. It also feels more hopeful, and it actually points in a direction that you can travel rather than sitting you in a place that is stuck and feels like a victim. So if you're listening to this and you feel like you can, try taking the words porn addict out of your vocabulary. Try taking the word addict out of your vocabulary altogether. It's probably not very helpful in any level of your life, but try taking the word addict out of your vocabulary. And if you hear someone say pornography addiction, you know, those words or anything like it, as kindly as you can, try to help them understand that it isn't a helpful idea. You could even, you could have them listen to this very podcast if you want. I would love for that to happen. But I want you to know that we can change the narrative. And in changing the narrative, we can give hope to so many other people. And you can start that change from where you are. I love you guys. I thank you so much for listening. Please share this podcast. Please review this podcast so other people can find it. And keep going. You've got this, I promise. I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the self mastery podcast. Every day, Darcy and I work with amazing men and women to remove pornography from their lives and relationships. If you're ready to take the next step in your journey, let us help you sign up for a consult at zacksbafford.com work with me, and you can set up some time for you or your spouse to meet with me or with Darcy, and we can help you get started on your self mastery journey.